We want to honor God this morning, who is rich in mercy, and thank him for his kindness as he smiles on us this day and allows us to sit at his feet, to glean from his wisdom, and to enjoy one another. Uh, we thank God for Pastor George, his faithfulness as the shepherd of this house, uh, to Reverend Aaron, all the leaders and elders here. Uh, at University Presbyterian Church. All of the servants of God, we bring you greetings from Damascus International Fellowship. So we are located in Seattle uh, in the south side as God is doing wonderful things in our midst. Uh, I thank God that I'm not alone. I look to the back and I see my lovely wife is in the house. Amen. It's Tammy uh, and my, uh, I can't see, is Anaya with you? Okay, my daughter Anaya, our blessing, uh, God has answered. That's what her name means. Amen. She's seven years old. Uh, my in-laws are here. They are not really in-laws. They're my parents, uh, Gloria and Jesse uh, Tucker. They're here. And so I thank God for them. They live in South Carolina, and they split time uh, between New Jersey with my brother-in-law and his family. And they come out here, and they will stay with us for months. And we enjoy hate when they leave. That's the kind of parents they are. And then we have a member, Reverend Mary, uh, Reverend Lee's wife is in the back. I do believe I see her. Uh, and I don't know if any other Damascus members are here this morning. I uh, see some crystal board members. It is just good to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen. All right. And so uh, because Aaron is here, I'm pretty sure now he's brought the uh, the idea that preaching is a dialogue and not a monologue. Uh, and so I would like to, in the time that I have, I want to deal with uh, this truth of divisions uh, and talk to you uh, from Ephesians chapter 2. And I don't know the tradition that I'm learning uh, being here at a Presbyterian church, at the Baptist church, as the word of God is being read, we stand. But since I'm a visitor, <laughs> amen. But if you allow me that liberty, if you're able, could you stand at the reading of the word of God? And I will be reading from the uh, New American Standard Bible. I do believe that's what this is. Uh, it is. Uh, and I'll begin at verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Scripture, as it is written, the word of God is already blessed. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. As we learn how to be 
uh, one church in the midst of uh, division because we want to learn the truth uh, about division. Father, how we honor you. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this blessed day, for this is a day that you have made. Uh, We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We're thankful for this ministry. We thank you for the people of God. We pray now, O God, that the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that the election cycle in 2016, uh, it revealed uh, something that has been in our midst for a while, uh, and that is we began to really experience the the height, the breadth, the width, and the depth uh, of the tribal lines that divide our, our country and have infiltrated our congregations. We find that Thanksgiving in many families are no longer the same. Uh, because uh, families who used to gather for Thanksgiving and Christmas because of now this divide in the country are no longer gathering together. Uh, Best friends are estranged. They're no longer hanging out because they have chosen sides. Marriages have dissolved and churches are falling apart. Their attention Uh, that's coming out not only in the choir stand, but in the narthex, in children's church, we have this divide that's going on. And now we see even more uh, how it is permeating and expanding and intensifying, even in terms of the nations. And what we see between nations is simply a macrocosm of what's going on within our country and also within our congregation. All you have to do is turn on the news channel. I don't care what kind of mood you're in. You can have a joyful mood. If you turn on the cable news, uh, it won't take long before you're caught up in the vitriol and the venom and the sarcasm and the hate and all the bitterness uh, that's coming out of the talking heads. And it's amazing how they are influencing and shaping the world in which we live. Uh, What is uh, so perplexing to me is not that the world is acting that way. What is perplexing to me is how caught up the people of God are. We have been drawn in to this venom now And so now, rather than uh, marching to the beat of the drum of the gospel, uh, that we are now walking and living by this vain ideology and philosophies that now permeate. And so now, rather than being led by the Spirit of God and undergirded by the Word of God, that these ideologies, these philosophies are now moving in our midst. If you think that kindred is about uh, black and white getting together or Caucasian and African getting together, then you've, you've missed what God is doing. Uh, because this is not about uh, ethnicity. It is about the plan and the will and the wisdom of God, that God is at work in our midst. For the Bible says that it is God who has created all things, that God is on mission to bring reconciliation and redemption in his world. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Therefore, you and I are not in control, nor are we in charge? We have to learn how to acquiesce and submit and surrender to the truth of the gospel. Do I have a witness in the house? 
Come on now. What we have to understand in terms of this division that God desires for us to be one, one church in the midst of these divisions, that the kindred is not an experiment. The kindred is not a project. The kindred is the mission of God that to create in himself one new humanity and it is found in Jesus Christ. But somehow the truth of the gospel has now uh, been intertwined. Now it has become now synchronized with this philosophy. And so we're no longer walking faithfully to what God has called us to be. The Bible calls the church the manifold wisdom of God, that God has created something because God understands that there is a power at work. There is a force that now it has us trapped in its ideology. You do know that there are demonic forces at work. If you don't know, just keep reading Ephesians chapter 6 as the Apostle Paul reminds us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that we're not fighting about, it's not about ethnicity, it's not about skin color, it's not about gender, it's not about education, but it is about now the redemptive plan of God, that there are demonic forces, whether you believe in the principalities and the powers and the rulers and dominions, whether you believe that or not is in the book. And I don't know about you, but I'm just crazy enough to believe the book. Anybody else believe the book in here? What we have to get through is understand that we cannot, as the people of God, we cannot buy into this rhetoric of hate, this rhetoric of individualism, this political venom that continues to divide us and to hasten this country towards implosion. Because you do know every power throughout history has always imploded from within. And we are on our way to imploding because the thing that held us together was our faith in God in Jesus Christ. That held us together as the Bible, as that now which was the glue to keep us moving forward. But somehow, these social constructs, somehow, this political ideology, somehow, this philosophy has infiltrated the church and has taken the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul now is talking to a cosmopolitan church that's in a context similar to ours now of this contemporary church. He writes to the churches in the Lycus Valley, the, the churches at Ephesus, and he says to them that God is working in your midst, that God is working. And so the tension that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles that now we need to understand and recognize that through Christ, this enmity, this hostility, has to end. But yet we understand the nature of people. Somebody has to be in charge. Somebody has to run it. Somebody has to be in charge of the planning. Somebody has to be in charge of the process of redemption and reconciliation. And so God, it might as well be us. 
And Paul writes to this church to let them know that God has done something mightily in your midst. But it's important for us to now embrace what God is doing. So Paul writes to these churches and he says, let me help you to get overcome the enmity, the strife, the bitterness, the vitriol, the division that, that is shattering and fracturing our families. He said, first of all, I want you to understand something, that in Christ you have have every spiritual blessing that now that I am in Christ, watch this, I have been redeemed by God. I have been adopted into the beloved that now God has lavished his life, amen, and his love in me. So now I am no longer known by my identity, right, as an African American, but I'm known as a child of God. It is important that we recognize that it is that designation that supersedes, and I hate to use this word, trumps every other designation. <laughs> it is important that we understand as Paul is challenging this church, he's saying that you and I are one, that there shouldn't be no little eyes. Come on now, and be, I mean, big eyes and little U's. Paul says that God has done something in us. And he said it's important that you walk in a, in a spirit of illumination. So Paul prays for the church at Ephesus. He prays in verses 15 uh, through 23. He prays that the eyes of their heart be enlightened. He prays that they would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. He prays that they would know God better. He says, because I understand if you know God better, then you'll do better. When you know God better, then you'll understand. So I'm praying that God would open up your heart and your mind. Not only that, you would also know what is the hope of God's calling in you in Christ Jesus. That you'll know why God called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Not only that, but you will know your place in God. That you are the inheritance of God. And he says, and to top all of that out, it is the power of God, the surpassing greatness of the power power of God. And it's the same power that, that resides in Jesus. He said it's the same power that resides in us. He said the issue, the division is not that we cannot. The division is because we will not. The division is that we will not surrender to the power of God. The Spirit of God is moving in this place. And we have to understand that it's only through the Spirit of God that we will be able to overcome this legacy of dissension, distrust, enmity, brokenness. I'm not here as a black man, a colored man, a Negro, African-American, or whatever social construct. I'm here as a child of God. You know I'm your brother in the Lord. You do know that, don't you? You, you do know that. that I, I, I'm your brother in Christ. We, we have to understand what God is doing. So Paul writes to this church and Paul says, I want to help you to, to move towards that victory, to move because God is doing something in your midst. He said, you have to understand the important place that you and I have in God. Are you with me so far? He, he said, but part of the problem that we have is that we have forgotten that we too were dead in sins and trespasses. We have forgotten that we need to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're so busy pointing faults and, and, and being victims 
about all these other things, we have forgotten that we need redeeming too. We have forgotten that Jesus had to die for all of us, not just one of us. That we have forgotten of where we were before God called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And so Paul says the movement towards reconciliation and redemption first comes, watch this, not through a classroom, not through seminary, because seminary didn't teach me. Come on, some of seminary students. What seminary did is gave me a big bill. My wife should have said amen on that one. What God wants to do cannot be taught in schools. What God desires to do in us cannot be bought. What God desires to do in us, we can't fix because we are the reason why it's broken. And so we have to learn to surrender what, to what God wants to do. Paul says, you and I have to remember that you and I were dead in sin and trespasses. But if it had not been for the grace of God that now calls us out of darkness and now because of God's grace, now I have been empowered to be that which God has called me to be. But watch this. It's not about individualism. It's not about just what God has called James to be, but God has called James into a community of faith. See, the community can do what no individual person can do. See, we can accomplish much more together than we could ever accomplish by ourselves. So we have to be reminded that we are the community of faith. When Paul is talking, he's not talking to an individual. He's talking to the people of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Jesus prays for our unity. He prays for our oneness. He prays in John 7, chapter 17 that you and I will be one as he and the Father is one, that we would be a unity, that we would walk according to commonality and power. There's a lot of things that divide us. There are a lot of reasons why we can say that we don't want to be a part of one another, but the one compelling reason that we have for being together is that we all are part of the same family and that is the family of Christ. You know, back in Adam and Eve, we all come out of the same parents. You do know that, don't you? If not, tell your neighbor Bible study. Come on now, it's all right. You can talk back to me. I know I'm at the Presbyterian church, but since you invited me and I didn't mount at the pulpit, right? And, and, and where's, where's Tim? Because Tim told me to make myself at home. That's what Tim told me. So, so if I'm making you uncomfortable, y'all meet Tim in the Northex afterwards because Tim told me to make yourself at home. And so I'm making myself at home. This, the truth of division is that the gospel is the truth that doesn't divide us, but brings us together. Paul in verse 11 says, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. And he reminds us of that done in the body by the hands of men. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. We were excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. He says, but now that was my former life. But he says, but now in Christ, Jesus, you who once were far away 
have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we could accomplish this by ourselves, then there would be no need for Jesus to come and to die for you and for me. So through his blood now, we have redemption and we have brought it been brought into one family. There is no more hostility, he says, because Jesus has become our peace. He has become our shalom. You know, in the Greek, there, there's the word irene, right? It means, right, peace. But irene kind of focuses on uh, the interlude between uh, conflict. When you read peace in the New Testament, irene, it's, it's about, uh, it's, it's, it's a moment in time. It, it doesn't mean that we're reconciled together. It means that we're not in the midst of a conflict. So we're on our way, though. We're waiting because one day we're going to be in another one. But when you read Greek, uh, irene, it, it's not about the interlude, but it's about shalom. Shalom means that not just having that peace, but it's that connection that we have. It means to be whole and healthy. It means when I, when I experience the shalom of God, it means that I have everything I need to accomplish the mission of God. It means that I have everything I need to now fulfill the purpose of God. Are y'all with me this morning? When I'm dealing with the peace, he said Jesus has become our peace. And now what Jesus has done, he has torn down the wall. that we are trying to rebuild. Jesus has torn down the dividing wall. The wall, uh, the soreg in the, in the temple where, where they devised a, a three-foot wall. And that this wall was designed to, to keep the Gentiles and those impure Jews out of the holy place. It was a wall that was not constructed according to the will of God, but it was a wall constructed by the will of man. And Paul says that, that it is through the building of this wall, these man-made restrictions, because the, the Jews, the rabbis, the teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were famous for putting fences around things. They, they, they didn't want you and I to spoil the righteousness and the holiness of God. So they would add something. Even though God didn't say it, they would add something to it. God never told them that, that, that you are to build a wall so folk who are not Jewish cannot approach me. He never told them that. But in their traditions, they decided that they knew what was best, kind of like us, right? We, we think we know what's best, right? We, we think we want to guard our traditions or we want to guard the righteousness or we want to guard our sacred cows. So we begin to make all of these man-made laws and, and reasons and then under the God, of the Holy Spirit or the guise of the, of the Bible. And God said, no, I tore down what you build up. Your job is not to build walls. Your job is to build bridges. 
Your job now as the people of God is to go forth in the power of God to tell a dying and benighted and dark world that God still lives. He says that the church is the manifold wisdom of God. Let me help you to understand how important that is, that we as the collective, we are the the multifaceted, multicolored wisdom of God. God is going to do something, a new thing, through us that he cannot do through us as an individual. God's going to take your wisdom. He'll take your insight. He will take your ethnicity. He will take your culture. He will take your socioeconomic background. He'll blend it all together until you are no longer you, but you are one in Christ. Can I give you this before I take my seat? Let me help you to understand what this looks like. How many of you like pancakes? I love pancakes. How many of you love biscuits? Right? All right. I'll make you hungry, right? How many of you like cakes, right? right? And so uh, let's just deal with pancakes since, since I brought pancakes up. When you look at pancakes, uh, if I was to make pancakes, I, I would have uh, some milk or some buttermilk, right? I, I would sit it right there. I would get a little salt, uh, a little baking soda, a little butter, some eggs, and some flour. And I would sit all of those as individuals on the counter. And you know, eggs by itself has its own identity and buttermilk by itself has its own identity and, and salt by itself has its own identity, its own flavor. Are you with me so far? Butter has its own identity. But there's something that happens when I put all of these in the bowl together. When I put them all in the bowl together, you know what happens? They lose their identity in the bowl. They are no longer, you cannot look at the bowl in the mix and say, there is the butter, there is the milk, there is the salt. Come on, y'all, get this in a moment. They are all mixed together. And watch this. When you mix it together, you have created something new. Y'all get it in a moment here. God said, that's what I have done. Some of you are a little buttermilk. Some of you are a little butter. Come on now. Some of you are little eggs. Some of you are a little salt. But when I put you all together, that I create something new. Why? Because I I want the world to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. When we get along inside here, then we testify to the world that God is able. Oh, God, help me here. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. It's important that we understand that this is our moment. This is our time as the people of God. This is the moment that was created for us as the people of God. This is the moment that we become rooted deeply in Christ because God has created something new in us. We have to recognize our assignment, church. We have been called to be light and salt in the midst of a dark and dying world. Number two, you got to understand that this is the moment we model before the world the reconciling power of God, that we can get along. Come on now. We can love one another. I know we've had a rocky past. I know we've had some distrust. I know we've had some brokenness, but either you can live with your mind in the rearview mirror, or you can start looking forward to what God has to do. Let me close by telling you this, how we celebrate this new thing. I saw something in the book of Revelation, and you know it's in your Bible too. You do know it's in your Bible, too. 
In John, in Revelation chapter 7, I, I learned something about the book of Revelation. It's not a spooky book. I've learned that, that Revelation gives us uh, two views. That it always shows us the distrust, the disunity, the division, the brokenness, the darkness that's going on in earth. And then it shows us the tranquility, the peace, the joy, and the power, and the majesty of God in heaven. That it always juxtaposed these two. So wherever you see chaos going on in the earth, then John always flashes the heaven to show us what our reality is going to be. So in John chapter 7, after the 144,000, hey Lee, thank you uh, for talking about the Jehovah Witnesses, amen, so they can understand, right, more than 144,000 folk is dead already. Come on now. Uh, but watch, watch, watch this. Y'all don't mind, do you? Watch this. Uh, John says, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That John said, when I saw in heaven, I saw a multitude. I didn't see any barrios. I didn't see any ghettos. I didn't see any bigots. I didn't see any liars. Come on now, I didn't see any hoods. I didn't see any black fist rays. I didn't see black, white lives matter. I didn't see white lives matter. I didn't see blue lives matter. When I looked into heaven, I saw a multitude of all nations, of all tribes. Come on now, help me out here. He said, I saw God's vision of how heaven is going to be. Church, you and I are now a microcosm and we are a witness to the world of the power and the majesty and the witness of God. We have to learn that we cannot do this by ourselves. That kindred is not a project. Kindred is not an experiment. So if you was hoping that after these six weeks, kindred was going to stop, I'm here to let you know you are sadly mistaken. If you think that you're not supporting or you're not coming, it's going to stop the movement. You're in for a rude awakening. What's happening today is not what George thought of. It's not what Aaron thought of. It's not what Alex thought of. They just had sense enough to discern that God was up to something. God is at work in this church. And I'm glad about it. That's my story. And I'm sticking to it. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org.